Did you bring your Bible with you? Yes. You don't think I tell the truth, do you? I'm glad you brought it. I want you to be like the Berean Christians in the book of Acts who said, we searched the scriptures to make sure the thing the preacher was saying was the truth. I want you to see it in there. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 in your Bible. All righty. Today we're going to talk about how to talk to a king. How to talk to a king. Yo dude is not the way you start talking to a king. How to talk to a king. All right, we're talking about prayer and listen to what I'm fixing to say. Let me just rock things here. There's only two places on this earth you should ever go to learn anything about prayer. They are Matthew chapter six, Luke chapter 11. You know why that's the only two places you should ever go to learn anything about prayer? Because that's the two places Jesus taught about prayer. Now, let me tell you why that is. Let me go, it's what my grandma taught me how to pray. Do you pray to your grandma? Who, who do we communicate with when we pray? We communicate with Jesus. Therefore, we should let Jesus teach us how to pray, how to talk to him. Would you agree? I was taught wrong. I had to go back and relearn how to pray. I had to learn how to do it right. And in the scriptures, we look last week at Matthew 6. This is the same teaching, a little different and that we saw there, it's in Luke chapter 11, two places in the Bible. He tells us, when you pray, talk to me like this. Listen, when the man looks at me and says, when you talk to me, do it like this. I need to pay attention to what he says, because I want to learn how to talk to him. So we're going to look today at Luke chapter 11. And uh, one of the problems is people will read this prayer and then they stop. And they forget that it's 13 verses that he teaches here. And you got to get the whole 13 or you'll miss the whole purpose of the thing. All right. Luke chapter 11, verse one says this. It came to pass as Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Like John taught his disciples to pray. You know why that's funny? These boys were the age of Jesus, 20 some years old. They were all Jews. They've been praying since they were little children. They grew up in a church being taught how to pray. So why are they saying to Jesus, teach us how to pray? They've been doing it for years. They noticed something about his praying that was different than theirs. Number one, it got answered. So they said, why don't you talk to us about the way you pray? You teach us how to pray. And here's one of the great responses. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say this. What do you say to them? I'd be glad to. When you do it, do it like this. And I got to ask a question here about verse two. Is the Bible a history book or is it a living book? Is the Bible just a history book of what happened back then? Or is the Bible God speaking to me? Then I could say it like this. He said to them and to me. If it's a living book and the Bible is God speaking to me, then Jesus just said to me, do it like this. So this is him speaking to me. And here's what he said to me beginning in verse three. Excuse me, rest of verse two. Our father in heaven hallowed or praise your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. We forgive everyone who's indebted to us. Nobody's going to owe me a thing. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What if that was answered? Wouldn't that be great? Now here's the problem. People stop right there. Why would you stop? He's still going. He said to them, which of you would have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, I need three loaves. A friend of mine has come on a journey. I have nothing to set before him. You got the picture? Here's a man. It's late at night. They didn't have dollar generals back then. You couldn't run to the store. 
So somebody comes late at night to his house. They're hungry. They're going to stay the night. He didn't have any food. They, they ate up all their bread. You make your own bread back then one day at a time. So he goes next door to his neighbor and he says, I got family just came in. People just came in. I don't have anything to feed them. Could I have three loaves? Got it? So he just runs next door. The man answers him, verse seven, and he will answer from within and say, do not bother me. The door is shut. The kids are in the bed. I can't give you anything. I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, but because of his consistency or his persistence, he will rise and give him everything he needs. What has that got to do with prayer? Make the connection here, dear ones. You know what God just said to you right there? I'm not going to give you stuff just because you're my friend. You got to come ask me. You notice that friend did not say, oh, I see. Look, Margaret, he's got company. Let me take some bread over there. He didn't take it to him because he needed it. Why did this man give him what he needed? Because he asked. What's God saying to you here? We may be friends. You may be my son, but I can't give you stuff just because we're related. You got to come ask. And if you will what? Persistently or consistently talk to me and ask, I will give you everything you need. Everything you need will come through a consistent prayer life. I can't give you stuff just because you're born again. I'm not going to give you stuff just because you belong to me. We got to talk. You got to talk to me. We got to communicate with one another back and forth. All right. Now, let me just, uh, well, let me go a little further. Let's read a little more. He doesn't quit there. He said, so verse nine. So in other words, what I just told you has got to do with your prayer life. I say to you, ask, it will be given to you. What if that were true? Then let's start wrestling with the Bible and say, what if this stuff is true? Let me tell you something. This man tells the truth. You ask, I'll give it to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock, it'll be open. I love verse 10. What's the word for everyone? What's the word everyone mean? Well, you're new at this stuff. You don't know this stuff. I don't see that. What I see is everyone. So you're not as good a Christian as your sister. I don't see that in there. What I see is everyone. Guess what the Greek word everyone means? Somebody take a wild guess. So we've all been to school. Everyone who asks receives. Everybody that, listen, everybody that asks God receives. If that's not true, throw this book in the garbage. This book can't break down anywhere. All right, everyone who seeks finds, everybody that knocks, it will be open. And then here's the great heart picture on prayer. Verse 11, if a son asks for bread from his daddy, his father, will he give him a rock? Do y'all want to, Y'all want to talk about that? How many of you have done this before? Your little boy comes in. He says, Daddy, I'm hungry. Here, boy, eat this rock. See how ridiculous he's making this thing. It gets worse than this. He asked three questions here. Secondly, he said this. If he asks for a fish, you're going to throw a snake at him? How many of you, your children have been hungry for lunch and you threw a snake at them? See how crazy this is. And then he asked a third one that's almost as ridiculous. If he asks for an verse 12, if he asks for an egg, you're going to hand him a scorpion? Tell me what a scorpion does to you. You think you're going to ask the father for something and he's going to hurt you? It's not going to happen. And then that great verse about prayer in verse 12, 13, he said this, if you being evil compared to me, compared to me, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to those who, what's the word? ask. All right, I got, I got to teach, I got to show you something here. 
again, this is twice in the Bible. It's in Mark, Matthew 6, it's in Luke 11. But that last verse has a slight alteration where he said it in Matthew 6. And I'm going to quote it to you from Matthew 6. He said it a little different. Follow with me here. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask? In Matthew 6, it says he'll give good things to those who ask. Luke 11, it says he'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. He says, well, well, which is it? Is he going to give me good things or the Holy Spirit? Somebody tell me the answer. Yes. Yes. Listen to me. If he comes and he changes my heart and softens my heart and changes my life, he does that by the Holy Spirit. If he, if he gets me a good job and gives me favor with my boss and I get promoted above other people and I prosper in my work, that's his spirit working in the earth. If he comes and makes my marriage great and strong, that's his, everything he does is by his spirit. Every good thing he does in the earth is by his spirit. Tell me what he does for people that talk to him. He does good things by his spirit in the earth for people that talk to him. All right, let me, let me just ask a little question here. <clears throat> relationship. Relation, we got relationships. I have a relationship with one woman like nobody else. I've got relationship with children. I got relationship with friends. I have a relationship with the son of God. I have a relationship with God. Now let me ask you a question. What is the heart of every relationship? You know this. Somebody say the word communication. Communication is the heart of every relationship period. The only reason you're in a relationship with somebody, you started communicating somewhere. And communication is the heart of every marriage. If you don't communicate, you don't have a marriage. Everything rises and falls on communication. And, and the, more, the better you communicate, the better the relationship. And when communication breaks down, relationships break down. My relationship with the living God is built on one thing, communication. Communication. And what do we call communication in this relationship? What do we call it? Prayer. Listen, prayer is not talking to God. Prayer is listening and communicating, heart level. You know, and if I, uh, if I never talked to you, would you say we have a relationship? This is not hard. If I never talked to you, would you say we have a relationship? Suppose the only thing we ever talk about is the weather and food. Got one, but it's sort of surfacy. Real relationships go deep, don't they? They go heart, they communicate at heart level. You got to learn to communicate with this man because the foundation of our lives is our communication with the king. That's not going to church. Church is good. You can go to church and not communicate with God. That's not knowing the Bible. My computer has memorized the Bible. But my computer doesn't have a personal relationship with the father. Everything rises and falls on prayer. It is the great calling of our lives to learn to communicate with the creator, the one who, who made us. Three quick, three quick deals, a little bit of review about this thing before we look at this prayer. Number one, you have to ask for him to do things for you. you have to, we talked about this past week. You have to ask according to the scriptures or you can't, he can't do things for you. Why would he tell you to ask if it's not necessary? So you got to ask, number one. Number two, <clears throat> This prayer that's, that you read, that we read in the Bible right here, guess where it came from? Guess who made, guess who wrote this prayer? Guess who made it up? No, yeah, the God Almighty himself. He made this prayer up. He made this prayer up and then told you to say it to him. Now, let me tell you something about this prayer you just read right here. Every need for every person for all of eternity and all their desires is found in that prayer somewhere. 
You say, how can such a short little prayer meet every need? Everything you need is in that prayer. Relationship with God. Good things happening in the earth. Financial security. Relationships with people forgive, as we forgive others. Your, your protection, your safety in the earth. Everything you need is found in that prayer right there. Only God could have taken every human need and packed it in just a few words like that. Everything you'll ever need is found in there. And let me say the third thing about it. <clears throat> what if this prayer were to be completely answered in your life? What if you prayed this prayer and everything in there were answered in your life? What kind of life would you have? Let me ask you a question. What kind of life did Jesus die to give you? I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Right there's the secret. If that prayer were answered in your life, you would say, I never knew life could be so good. I've got everything I need in life. He's that good that he can pack all that into one short prayer and then look at you and say, say this to me. Tell me this. Come on, say this to me. Ask me for this right here. All righty. Now, let's do this. Let's, let's sort of relearn. I'm going to say it again. I, I learned how to pray. Even as a preacher, I learned how to pray, but I learned how to pray listening to other people. And I learned how to pray listening to my own emotions. And I learned how to pray listening to my head. This would make sense to me. I had to relearn how to pray to get it right. How about if let's learn about this stuff? How about some of us need to relearn? It's not hard. That's why Jesus came is so we could relearn some things. So here's we're going to start. Number one, you, you have to start right to finish right. Is this deep or what? You have to start right to finish right. All right, I'm fixing to go a little bit deeper. To get somewhere, you have to go through the door. I maybe think you have to go through the door to get somewhere. I maybe think you have to go through the door to get somewhere. What if you don't go through the door? You can't get there. It, it's like if I want to go to Lake Okeechobee in South Florida and fish, I can't take off and head north. You're not going to get to Lake Okeechobee. You're going to get to a foreign country about 100 miles away. You got to, to get to get to, you got to, to go south. You got to go in a certain direction. Dear ones, to get there, you got to go through the door. You say, wait to my door. Why did Jesus start this prayer like this? Doesn't this seem like a strange way to start a prayer? All right, you got to go through the door. Listen to me carefully. You can't get to where he is unless you go through the door. You can't get to where God is unless you go through the door. Let's look at it. Turn with me to Psalm 100. I'm going to show you something perhaps you've never seen in this great psalm. We're going to come back to Luke 11. So if you're ambidextrous, use both hands. Psalm 100. It just tucked in Psalm 100 in many places in the Bible is just a little tiny truth that makes all the difference. All right, Psalm 100 says this. I want you to look in one verse in here with me. Psalm 100 verse four says this. Enter, what does enter mean? Is that, is that the starting place? All right, enter his gates. So obviously I got to do something to get to him or he wouldn't tell me to enter his gates, would he? Enter his gates with what? How do you get to where God is? How do you enter the gate to where he is? Tell me the answer. Thanksgiving. And his courts, you know, that's where his throne is. And his courts with, how do you get to where God is? You say, Brother Brown, I thought he was everywhere. We're talking about connecting with him in the spirit. How do I connect with God right off the bat? How do I do it? Thanksgiving and praise. Now remember this, this is the starting point. Now I want you to look at something, same verse, Psalm 104. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. And then what did he tell you to do right there? Bless his what? His name. 
Am I supposed to bless the name of God? Turn back with me to Luke chapter 11. I remember that, bless his name. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. What's the first thing Jesus told me to say when I come pray? Our Father, which art in heaven, or which are in heaven, hallowed be what? The name. Do you notice he keeps talking about the name? By the way, the word hallowed just means honored, praise you, adore you, worship you, whatever you want to call it. It just means to worship and give thanks. So he tells me to start out by doing something with the name of God. And you saw that in Psalm 104. You enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. You bless his name to start with. Now, don't let this sound complicated to you because we're going to make it so simple. Child can understand it. Somebody tell me the name of God. He said, well, Brother Brian, didn't, I thought it was God. That is what the Bible says about him. But you got to remember something in the Bible. And the Bible at that time was the Old Testament. New Testament wasn't written. God had eight names in the Bible. He's got eight names. And he, he wrote these names himself. And he said in every one, and I, I, we could go through eight scriptures and I'd show you, but we're not going to take the time. And he said, I am. And then he called himself these. And he gives himself eight names in the Bible. And the eight names are Jehovah Sidkenu, Jeho- I am Jehovah Makadesh, I am Jehovah Shalom, I am Jehovah Shammah, I am Jehovah Rapha, I am Jehovah Yireh, I am to you Jehovah Nissi, and then the eighth is I am Jehovah Rohi. You sound I got to say every one of them before I pray, but I'm gone, man. Just relax, relax. You don't even need to memorize that or know them. That's Hebrew, by the way. Um, back then, you got to understand something about the Bible days and with God speaking. Your name is who you are. It means something. Now, see, today we name our children. We don't, their names don't mean anything. We just think it's cute. We pick a name because it's cute, yes or no? You know, you have a son, you name him Cooter or Bubba or Rufus or... Luther or something like that. So that's a cute name. So you you like the name. Back then, your name had to be who you were. Do you remember Abraham? Abraham is a Hebrew word that means father of many nations. Jacob, it means deceiver. That's why his name had to be changed to Israel, the prince with God. Well, Jesus, his name should be called Jesus, which means he will save his people from their sins. Well, when God gives himself these names, he's telling you who he is to you. And every one of those names is who he is to you. And that's why we got to make the connection. Jesus told me, the Bible tells me, you start with me by talking to me about my name. You enter my gates with thanksgiving and you bless my name. Father, hallowed be your name. I'm going to put those eight names in English. The eight Hebrew names of God in the Bible and put them in English. Jehovah said, can you, I am the Lord who makes you righteous. The cross, come to me. Though your sins be as scarlet, come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them as white as snow. Listen to me. There's nothing I can do to make myself right with God. He did it at the cross through his son. I am not Brian who who makes me righteous. He made me righteous. That's what it means, Jehovah said, can you. Jehovah Makadesh or Makadesh. I am the God who changes you. I mean, if you know, after I got saved, I still needed some changing. Can I get a witness? I mean, if you know, I still need some changing. It's okay, you can say it. 
Well, see, I was taught all my life, you get saved, then you have to straighten your life out. That's hogwash. His name is Jehovah Makadesh. I am the God who sanctifies you. I change you. You come to me and I'll change you. I'll change. Behold, I will take the hard heart out of you and I will put a tender heart out of you in you and you will walk different. He's the God who changes my life. Jehovah Shalom, I am the God who brings peace into your life. You've heard the word Shalom, peace. I bring peace into your life. Jehovah Shema, I am your ever-present helper. What do we call it today? The Holy Spirit in me. Presence of God with me. Jehovah Rapha, you've heard that before, hadn't you? I am the Lord that heals you. I heal your mind so you can think clearly. I heal your broken heart so you don't stagger around wounded from rejection all your life. I heal your physical body so you can live big. I'm the God who brings healing into your life. Jehovah Yireh. Some people say Jireh, but it's technically Yireh. I am the God who gets you a job and keeps you healthy so you can work it and blesses you financially. I am God, your provider. When he rained bread from heaven on the children of Israel in the, in the wilderness, he said, now they will know me by my name, Jehovah Yireh, the God who provides for them. Jehovah Nissi, I am the God who fights your battles. The Lord is my banner is actually what it is. You know, as he said in 2 Chronicles 20, you don't have to fight in this. You just stand still and the battle is mine. You just stand there and worship me. I'll fight for you. Maybe you'd like to have somebody that big fighting for you and everything. That is Jehovah Nissi. And then, of course, the one I love so much, Jehovah Roe, found in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That, those, that, you know him by his names. God, you said, Brother Brian, this thing's already gotten so complicated. I, I can't remember all that stuff. You don't have to. You don't have to. He said this to me. <clears throat> when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. You can say that if you want to. But let me tell you how I do this. Listen, listen to how we need to learn. We need to, there was, I'm going to say it again. If you don't enter by the door, you can't get there. Enter his gates, come before his presence, bless his name. So when I pray, I do it like that. I don't say, God, it's terrible down here. This COVID thing's wearing us out. You, you're headed in the wrong direction. That's not, he is not in the wine. He don't live in the wine. Matter of fact, you're headed toward that other one. You don't want to spend quality time with him. You want to go somewhere else. Father, I want to praise you and thank you today for the cross. Thank you that when I was lost and damned, you showed me kindness. I want to thank you and praise you that though I struggle, you will get me there. I want to praise you and thank you for the peace I enjoy. I thank you that I can live fearless and worry-free because of your grace. I want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. It's the dearest friend I've got. Thank you for his sweetness. Thank you for the joy he brings into my life. I want to thank you and praise you that my mind is whole. And you've healed my mind. And you've healed my body. Praise God, rough as I was on this equipment when I was young. If it's still jumping around at 63, God's been good to me. Thank you that you're my healer. Thank you that you're my provider. My family, we've never had a hungry day in our lives because of you. I praise you that you're my provider. And I praise you and thank you. I don't have anybody to battle in this world. I can turn it all over to you. I thank you. It's like championship wrestling. Father, I praise you. It's a fixed fight. All I got to do is get in the ring. This is how I talk to him when I pray. You know what this is? When you pray, talk to me like this. Start with me like this. And Father, I want to praise you and thank you. You're, you're the shepherd of my soul. I love the green pastures of your word, the still waters of your spirit, and how you restore my soul. Thank you that you prepare a table before me and I get to sit and dine with the king. 
I praise you that the kindness of God and the blessing of God will be on me every day for the rest of my life. And then I'm going to croak and see you face to face. (laughs) This is how you pray. This is how you talk to God. This is how you get to where he is or you come into his presence. You got it? Now, let let me say this. You can add to it. I know that technically there's no place in the Bible that says my name is joy, but he is pure joy. And I thank him that I got joy in life, even in the midst of 19 messes. Can I get a witness? I I just, once you just start thanking God, it's like bubble gum. You start chewing a cheap bubble gum. It just gets bigger and bigger as you chew on it. And it just grows and you just, something happens when you do this. Guess what happens? You start out in faith. You don't have to feel anything. You start out in faith and you know what happens? All of a sudden you begin to sense. About the third one you say, you sense a sweetness come near you. You sense a quietness come over you. And you just say, that's him right there. Guess what we've done? Guess what you do with this? Guess what you're doing right here? Here it is in the book of James. Draw close to God. He will draw close to you. Now, I don't mean you keep the rules. I mean, he will, you will experience him draw close to you. Don't you understand he wants to be close to you? That's why I pick up the phone all the time and say to my kids, when are you going to come see me? When are you going to come see me? I want them to come see me. I'll pay for everything. Just come see me. <laughs> That's a father's heart. I'll pay for everything. Just come see me. Guess how you come see him? You enter his gates to see him. Well, his gate is his name. And you praise him and worship him. And, and you don't have to take 30 minutes. I, I can spend all kinds of time doing it. But dear ones, don't you ever try to pray without going through the gate first. All right, say somebody's here at the church during the week. They walk around and say, Where, where's, where's Brother Brown at? I got to ask him a question. They say, I, I don't know. I, I, he might be stuck in his pigeonhole up there. And they say, well, I'm not going all the way up. I'll just ask him right here. Can I have some money? You ain't getting it. It's not that I'm not nice. You just, all right, stay with me here. Stay with me here. You got to come to me to ask. Enter his gates. Come before his presence. And the scripture teaches me and you this. Listen, keep it simple and relax. You don't, you don't have to. This is a, it's, a, it's the heart. Do you understand this? It's the heart. It's not that I get it right. That's not the issue. I don't sit down with the wife, the woman I love. I don't sit down and say, <clears throat> I'm going to try and talk to you. I don't do that. <laughs> Am I saying this just right? Listen, I can just look a certain way and she knows. We've been hanging around 42 years together. It was just not about, did I say the right thing? What, what is this? It is a heart. It's, God looks on the heart. Matter of fact, I, I've had a lot of, some people communicate better than others. I've had people trying to talk to me about things, problems. They couldn't even articulate what the problem was. They couldn't get the words right. But I understood what it was. This is where the precious Holy Spirit is so great. Listen to what the Bible says, Romans 8. We know not how to pray as we all. You ever felt like that? We don't know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with us. Groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Here's a picture. Father, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong anywhere. And I need for you to, uh, uh, and it's like the Holy Spirit just says, <clears throat> shh, shh. let me tell you what he's trying to say, Father. The 
Spirit of God knows the heart. And when you, if you, but you do have to put out some effort. You've got to say something and he'll take over. You got it? So it's the heart issue. And uh, <clears throat> I don't go and say, okay, gosh, Father, I'm going to try. I hope I can remember all eight. Uh, let me, let me, really? It was just open your heart and say, I am so grateful for who you are. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you that I got somebody that loves me. Thank you that you love me. I thank you and praise you. You know I'm prone toward mistakes, but I praise you and thank you that you are a forgiving and merciful God and you can fix it. <clears throat> I think it helps to learn his names. I pray through these names every day and we have the mostest fun. It's the only way I know to say it. I just love doing it because this is how you come, you draw close to God like this. Have you ever just, all right, now let, me, let me give you a test here. Have you ever like had a problem? Three of us have had problems. You ever like had a problem and you wanted to pray about it and you went and prayed about it and you started from the problem and, and you, you just, and before long you were just going, never mind, just never mind. You know what? You started from the wrong place. Always start right here. And dear ones, listen to me. When you're in his presence and you say, he has drawn close to me, then it's time to talk about the problem. You got to get where he is first. And uh, then you can get there. Keep it simple. Just keep it from the heart. I, I, do, I pray this prayer every day and I pray it all day long. I just love to ride down the road and just think on, I will meditate on the glorious splendor of the Lord. And I'll just be driving along saying, I want to thank you and praise you for the Holy Spirit. I love that guy. Thank you that he can do for me what I can't do for myself. I want to praise you and thank you that this is a fixed fight. I used to be nervous about winning. Now I just watch you whoop everything around me. I talk to him like this when I'm riding. This is what I meditate on. I want to praise you and thank you that you're my shepherd. I have no fear in my life whatsoever because thou, O shepherd, art with me. I, this is just, this is how you, isn't this better than walking around going, they're so dumb. They're so dumb. It's your head. Put, put what you want to in it. All right. Let me tell you several, now let me, several secrets. Let me tell you why we ought to do this. Let me tell you what, let me, why, why we ought to do this. Number one, because the Bible tells me so. I'm going to do this because the Bible says to. Now here's the case. You say, okay, fine, fine. If it says to, fine. No, you missed it. My father never asked me to do anything that there's not a great big reward on the other side of it. Got it? He never asked me to do anything that there's not a reward. Listen to what the Bible said. No man will ever owe God anything. You know what that means? I don't care what you give him, he'll give bigger. You'll never have him in debt to you. He's that good. So it's like I told you about, since we're on wrestling today, I told you about Johnny Weaver lived beside us there and he asked me to wash his car one I told y'all about that a few weeks ago he asked me to wash his car so we washed his car just doing it because I was I thought he was a great wrestler I was I just I got to wash a star's car washed his car came out the next day and he put ten dollars in our little Volkswagen steering wheel you know I told you I bought enough beer and, and lunch for us two boys all day long this back in 1970s buy a bunch of beer back in 1970s and man I made a beeline to his door and says anything else you want done when I find out that he pays $10 for about $2 work, I wanted him to ask me to do something. He never did ask me to do anything after that ever. But when I found out what God is like, that if he asked me to do something, 
that he is always about five times in the reward. I got to where I don't say, I hope he don't ask for nothing. I'm begging him to ask me to do something because I want to see what's behind door number three. Are you with me? Number two, <clears throat> listen to what I'm fixing to say here. When I do this, it means something to him. This means something to him. Are you telling me that me, one out of eight billion people on this planet, can draw the attention of God and affect his heart? Let me show it to you. Turn a few pages to the right to Luke chapter 17. Let this affect your life. Luke 17. Now I'm going to say it again while you're turning. You try to pray, the enemy of your soul get in your head. And he'll distract you. He'll make you think things that don't line up with scripture. He hates prayer because he knows what it'll do. Luke 17, watch this, verse 11. It happened as Jesus went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, he entered a certain village. There were 10 men who were lepers. They stood way back like they had coronavirus. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice glorified God, fell on his face, giving him what? What will Thanksgiving do for you? It gave him thanks. You got it? These 10 men are lepers. They're going to die. Leprosy is external cancer. Can't be around your family. They see Jesus. They said, oh, have mercy. He says to them, go show yourself to the priest. Now that doesn't mean anything to you, but they knew if you're healed, the priest has to examine you. So they knew he was saying to them, I'm going to help you. So the moment they acted in faith, all of a sudden they looked down. All of them looked down and it was gone. They're healed. You know what this is? I can go back home. I can go pick up my children again. I can hug my wife again. And, and they just all took off for the priest. One of them just stopped and said, wait a minute. He turns around and goes back to Jesus. And, and he was very emotional, as I would be too and you would be too, and begins to thank him. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for what you did for me. What's this? Next verse. Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? Where, where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said, your faith has made you whole. Did it have an effect? Now, by the way, that's God right there. Jesus is God walking on the earth. He's the man who created the stars and holds them up there to this day. Did it have an effect on God? when this one man came back and said, thank you for what you've done for me. Can't you see the effect it had on God? Still does. What's the, other, what's the flip? Can you see that the nine who he'd done so much for not coming back and saying thank you, can you see that had an effect on him too? He didn't rescind their healing. He didn't put the leprosy back on them. He didn't hit them with lightning bolts, but it has an effect on God as to whether I say thank you or not. He sees it. Well, let me make an announcement. Everything I've got has come from him. That man been good to me. I, don't, I deserve a one-way ticket to the hottest corner of hell. And he's blessed me beyond measure with his presence, great family, good health. God's been good to me. Do you think I'm not going to go back once in a while and tell him I appreciate it? And to know that out of 8 billion people, he sees when one comes back and says, thank you, praise you. And by the way, a lot of people are a little nervous and it's okay because everybody's got different personalities. A lot of people get a little nervous when people get a little hysterical, praising God and thanking him. Did it bother Jesus? 
I think it bothered him when the nine didn't, but that's a whole different sermon right there. Don't you understand this affects God? It touches his heart. We go back and say thank you for what his word. Number three, third reason you ought to do this. Now this is where faith comes in. When you pray this to him, it happens to you. When you pray this to him, he becomes that to you. Let me give you an example. In my line of work, you get a lot of craziness. And uh, in your line of work, and the, the days we're living in are crazy. They're not the worst, but they're crazy. And uh, you can tend to get upset, nervous, worried about what's going on. It's just crazy. I love to turn aside during the day, just find me a little hole somewhere, bathroom stall, wherever. I just love to turn aside and just stop in the middle of the day and say, I praise you and thank you that you are my peace. Thank you that you are my peace. I'm not going to be afraid and I have no worries whatsoever because of Jehovah Shalom. And when I say that, listen to this, a quietness will just come down over me. When you praise him and thank him for who he is, he becomes... <clears throat> He becomes that to you. That's why I praise him and thank him all the time that he is my provider. I'm not going to sit down and worry about money. I'm just going to praise God that I've got a provider and go on. When you worship him, he becomes that. To that. The worship is the act of faith that releases the blessing on you. And that's why, what, listen, you need to pray many a time a day. Make the bathroom where you work your office. Lock the stall, go in there. I'm not talking about for hours at a time you get fired. I'm just talking about for a moment. Turn aside during the day and talk to him about that. And then number four, and I've already mentioned this, it brings his presence. You know, we were created for the presence of God. All right, let me tell you something about your heart. I don't know if you know this about your heart. Matter of fact, let's look at it. We'll wrap up with this. Turn with me to Psalm 42. I want to teach you about your heart. I didn't know if you knew this or not. There was an old hymn years ago that went like this, looking for love in all the wrong places. Y'all remember that hymn? That's one of the greatest hymns ever written. I have never heard a greater truth on this planet than a bunch of people looking for something in the wrong places. All right, let me help you. This is the Psalm, the Bible, where the Bible talks about your heart. Everybody's got a heart. I know you think about some folks, but everybody's got a heart. The Bible talks about in another place, the desires of your heart. Everybody's got desires in their heart. Yeah, your name. Are you sure you know what the desire? You sure you know what you really want in life? Do you know what you want? America is a hodgepodge of folks looking for what they think they want in the wrong places. Because there is, as the proverb says, there is a way that looks good to people, but the end result is destruction. You got to understand your heart before you can have it fulfilled. Let me let me just help you with a little bit here. All the money in the world cannot satisfy the hole in your soul. All the money in the world cannot satisfy your heart. How many miserable millionaires do I know that they thought if they could just make this much money, they'd be happy. Let me make an announcement. A new man is really not what you're looking for. Oh, you talked to me about it all week long. You scared to say something in here? You know good and well that's not the truth. No person can satisfy the hole in your soul. Now, people are good. I mean, you appreciate friends. American Idol, the titles, trophies, none of that stuff is what your heart's really looking for. These are the blessings of God, financial, people, you know, success, but that's not what your heart's looking for. You got to find out before you can really delight your heart, you got to find out what it's looking for. Psalm 42 says this, let's believe God. 
as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. Listen to me, the living God, not dead religion, the living God. When do I get to be touched by God? Your heart was created by who? Who created you? Who created every person's heart? He's the only one that can satisfy it. There used to, used to be sure enough an old hymn we sang years ago went like this. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only the presence of Jesus, only the Holy Spirit. When he touches your heart, you're going to go. That's what I've been looking for all my life right there. I've always wanted to be close to God. Now, let me tell you something. I work in a church. I've been around religion ever since I got saved. <clears throat> religion is pretty tasteless to me. I'm not being unkind. And there's things I do that I don't get much of a buzz out of, but it comes with the duty. Part of getting married is you're going to mow grass. Mowing grass doesn't light me up, but it's just part of being married. Can I get a witness? Changing diapers is a part of having children. I never met anybody who likes changing diapers. You're, you're neurotic. You're, you're sick if you like changing diapers. But if you're going to have the babies, you've got to change the diapers. Are you with me? So there's certain things in everything that just don't light our hearts up. And a lot of religion is very distasteful to me, but I'm going to tell you something. This heart longs for God. I want God more than I want anything on this earth. And by that, I mean not to just be his child. I want him to draw close to me. <clears throat> My soul has never known joy like when God draws close. That's why I have to draw close first. This is captured in that great old song that goes like this. I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, I don't actually hear a voice in my ear. His presence comes to my heart. The Son of God walks up to me and he talks to me, walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own and the joy we share while we tarry there. Nothing like it. I live for the presence of God. You know what that's called? Prayer. That's called prayer. And that's why I've made it my habit for all years and years since I learned how to pray to get along with God every day and just go in there. A lot of times I go to bed at night and I'll just look up and say, tomorrow morning I get to visit with you, with you. Tomorrow morning I can't wait to visit with you. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to get along with him. And I've learned how to draw close to him. And you do it through his name. You enter his gates. Jesus said this, when you pray, say this, our father, which art in heaven, I want to praise your name. And uh, <clears throat> we'll learn more later about the rest of it. But then was the big issue is not that we get our bills paid. That's important, but that's not the big issue. The big issue is not that we get ourselves forgiven, although that's important. The big issue is that we as people touch God and we learn to walk with him. All right, I'm going to quit by painting a picture. And here I'm proving I'm quitting because when I close my Bible, you know I'm quitting. Relax, it can be opened right back up. I think marriage is God's greatest thing on earth with the exception of knowing him personally. Because marriage is a picture of me and Jesus. God created marriage as a picture of the relationship between me and Jesus. I'm his sheep. I'm his servant. But above all else, I am the bride of Christ. What, is all mar what are all marriages built on? Tell me. Communication. You'd have never got married if you hadn't communicated. The, way, the reason you got where you are is because of communication. The reason you want to get married is communication. Somewhere you had, to, and you didn't just have to say, where are you from, Monroe? I mean, that's not what I'm talking about there. You had, you, listen to me, you had to look each other in the eyes. You had to talk to each other to build a relationship. 
When young couples sat before me and they're fixing to get married, I did my 380th two weekends ago. When they sat before me to get married, I talked to them about this morning, anything else. And I'll just note, you notice when they're right before they get married, they, they'll sit across me like I'm on this couch, they're on that couch, and they'll be all over each other. They'll scrunched up with each other, got their hands together, he's got his arm around her. You know, they come in 10 years later to see you, they just sit over there, Martha. They, when they, they start with, they're right there on each other. And listen to me, sugar wouldn't melt in that room. It's, it's syrupy. And I'll just say to them, let me tell you about marriage. Let me tell you some things about marriage. I said, the divorce rate is about half in the nation right now. And the other one, which says, I'm not going to leave you, but if I had to do it again, I wouldn't marry you. The minority of marriages make it well. And I ask them, <clears throat> is yours going to make it? I just sit there and ask them, I want you to tell me, is yours going to make it? Are you going to have a good marriage for 60 years? Guess what? Every single one of them say. I have actually had little peanut boys say to me, preacher, you just don't understand the depth of our love. I've had them say that to me. I just tell them, you're not ready. Go away. But let me tell you something. He, he don't know what he's saying, but you listen to me. You listen to me. They are sincere. They are sincere. What percentage of people sitting there two weeks before they got married or anywhere two weeks before they got married, what percentage thought they'd do well? Yes. 100, 100 plus. You wouldn't get married if you didn't think it's going to go well, would you? So here's my question. What happened? What happened from right there on that couch to 12 years later, 18 years later, 22 years later? What happened? Why can they not stand to be in the same room now? Let me tell you what happened. You say, well, adultery happened. No, it didn't. Adultery is the fruit of another root. Let me tell you what happened. What happened was, and this is so simple, and I ask them, when's the number one time for people to separate in America right now? A lot of them don't know the answer. You know when it is? When the last child leaves home. Which proves, which proves what? You don't have to do anything to ruin your marriage. It's like a plant. Just quit watering it. If you quit communicating like you did to get you on that couch, if you don't keep communicating like that down the road, there'll come a day when you wake up and look over like the Stephen Annie Chapman song and say, who are you? What destroys marriages? If communication makes it great, the breakdown in communication is what divides it out. No, nobody, nobody starts out saying, we're going to start out good, but then it's going to get terrible. Nobody does that with your mate or Jesus. But what happened? And I tell them, they say, well, what happens? I say, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Let me tell you what's going to happen to y'all. Learn from this old man. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Life's going to happen. Life's going to happen. Children are going to happen. Soccer's going to happen. Grass mowing's going to happen. Mom-in-laws are going to happen. Jobs going too long are going to happen. Bills are going to happen. And you know what happens? All of a sudden, that stuff begins to break the communication down. Did you pick up the dry cleaning? Yeah, I got it. That is not communication. <laughs> what we having for supper? That is not communication. You know what I do to them? I make them. I make them. I tell them, I got a good track record going. You ain't screwing it up. <laughs> I tell them, you promise me that on your calendar, every one night a week for the rest of your lives, you will go somewhere and sit down at the table and you'll look at each other face to face. 
and you'll talk to each other. And you promise me that on a regular basis, you'll get away for a weekend and you'll reconnect. You have got to work at a relationship for it to be live. The adultery, the adultery is the fruit of a breakdown of communication. How many people think about running around on their sweetheart a week after they get back from their honeymoon? It is the slow breakdown of communication that ruins relationships. You see, are you talking about prayer? Or are you talking about marriage? Yes. My relationship with Jesus, I'm his bride. The one thing that got me into this relationship with Jesus, I heard his voice. And it drew me close to him. And if my relationship with him is great, it's because I'm talking to him. It's because we're communicating. It's because I bear my soul to him and I come just like I am. And I don't lie to him and I don't put on. I tell him, you know, I wanted to stomp their butt in a mud hole the other day. He knows me. What are you going to do? Hide it? Don't look over there, Jesus. <laughs> but I've heard that you are my sanctifier. I've heard you can help me. And I'm coming to you and I'm asking you to help me. We had a great relationship because we keep talking. The day you quit talking is the day your relationship dies. I may even know we need to talk to the man. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you so much. The joy of my life is to communicate with you and to talk to you and to love you. I praise you that I was created to talk to you. You put man in a garden, gave him a good looking woman, gave him adventure and told him to be fruitful at what he did. But that man was put in that garden so that every day in the cool of the day, you could step down there and the two of you could walk and talk to each other in that garden. That's what we were created for. Every breakdown in our lives comes back to the fact that we stop talking to you and we stop listening to you. I praise you and thank you that my sheep hear my voice. Thank you that you're still speaking today. I pray for every person in this room. Lord Jesus, I, I don't know where they're at. I don't know if they, maybe they've never met you. That's tragic. I pray they would look up and say, I need you. I'm coming to you through the cross. Jesus, I want to follow you. Maybe there was a time way long ago when you were so dear and so sweet to them, but something has happened. Point them back to the communication breakdown. And I just pray you draw people close to you again. I, I pray that, dear Jesus, we do not let what happens in so many marriages happen in our relationship with you. We get so busy with school and work and kids and grass mowing and all of a sudden we just stop. We don't have time to talk anymore. I pray that we not get so busy with life and business and work and kids and religion and church activity that we don't have time to just talk to you anymore. I pray that we'll live to talk to you. Thank you that you are life. I give you all the praise and glory for your great kindness. More than anything else on this earth, you told me, teach them to get to know me. Make disciples of them. Teach them how to hear my voice. Tell them to call on me. I want to praise you and thank you that talking to you is the greatest thing in all the world. And there's nobody like you. And dear Jesus, I'm fixing to sign off here, but I just want to tell you, I can't wait till tomorrow morning when I get to be with you again. Thank you for your goodness. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.